The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I have a special treat for you. My guest is the leading pioneer in the evolution of consciousness, Barbara Marks Hubbard, and we'll be discussing her vision for the future of our evolution as humans and how business plays an integral role in our conscious evolution on a global scale. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Barbara. And this is longer than usual because there's so much to say. She has been called, quote, the voice of conscious evolution of our time by Deepak Chopra and is the subject of Neil Donald Walsh's book, The Mother of Invention. A prolific author of seven books, a visionary, social innovator, and educator, and she is the founder of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution. Its purpose is to accelerate our conscious evolution. She is the producer and narrator of the award-winning documentary series entitled Humanity Ascending, A New Way Through Together. As a global ambassador for the Conscious Evolution Movement, she partnered with the Shift Network and formed a team to co-produce the worldwide multimedia event entitled Birth 2012, Co-Creating a Planetary Shift in Time on December 22, 2012, which was a historic turning point event, awakening the social, spiritual, scientific, and technological potential of humanity. Barbara is currently developing online courses on conscious evolution and co-creation on the Shift Network, reaching many thousands of students worldwide. And she's activating the wheel of co-creation as a model for social synergy and whole system shift, with examples developing in Cairo, Egypt, Monterey, Mexico, India, as well as Chicago, Tampa, and we're beginning talks in Boulder, Colorado. Her seminal book, Conscious Evolution will be republished in an updated version in February 2012, and also her new Evolutionary Testament and Evolutionary Vision of the Future, inspired by the Gospels, Acts, and Epistles, will be published in April 2015, and she'll be forming sacred study groups that you can access information on her website, barbaramarkshubbard.com. 
1984, her name was placed in nomination for the Vice Presidency of the United States on the Democratic ticket, calling for a peace room to scan for, map, connect, and communicate what is actually working in a positive way in America and the world. She also co-chaired a number of Soviet American citizen summits, introducing a new concept called SINCON to foster synergistic convergence with opposing groups. She is a co-founder of the Association for Global New Thought and the World Future Society. So, Barbara, it is such an honor to have you as my guest today. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. So I'm very interested in your work because I feel like business can play a large role in helping us evolve as a human race. Can you share with our audience why you see the need for humans to evolve? <laughs> well, <laughs> I see the need, need for humans to evolve on, on several levels. One is that nature for billions of years has been evolving species at times of crisis. We are at a time of crisis on planet Earth, and it is natural when we face a a crisis of this dimension with global warming and climate change and resource depletion and all of that, it is natural for there to be an impulse within the species to evolve or devolve and go extinct. So Mm. we are born at a time of planetary shift. And millions of us are awakening up from within with the yearning to be more, do more, give more, love more, evolve more, because it's natural. Mm. So it's not that we ought to evolve. We are evolving because we're part of nature's multi-billion year process of evolving species of higher consciousness, of greater freedom, of more complex order. Wow. So it really is an imperative and it's going to happen and the result will go one way or the other, I guess, depending on how much we wake up. Well, the the thing is, it depends on if we say it's evolution by choice, not chance, Mm. and that we are the first species to have an opportunity to, to contribute to the you know, the process of our own evolution, the babies we have, the food we eat, the cars we drive, then suddenly we see ourselves as participating as co-creators. And that's why I see business, particularly quantum business, as you were calling it, (laughs) to be the engine of the process of creation on planet Earth. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, so I know I want to get into a lot of the stuff you're working on, but I would love my listeners to know a little bit about, or maybe more, about how you actually got into this, some of the history, where this first came, became present to you in your life. Well, I, it started when the United States dropped the bombs on Japan in 1945. Mm-hmm. I was 15, and after the terrible shock of that power, a question rose in my mind. What is the meaning of all our new power that's good? Science, technology, industry, the military. America was at the top of the a whole chain of life with our power. And I had been brought up with the idea that our power was good, that entrepreneurship was good. My father was Lewis Marx. He was a toy maker, toy manufacturer. And all of it was good. And mm. then I saw that this very power 
that particularly in the United States, we had accrued could destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And because I was hopeful innately, I began to think, well, let's see what this power is for that's really good, that's great. And this includes science and technology like nanotech, biotech, quantum computing, zero-point energy, all of the really radical new capacities that, that didn't exist then. So I began a search for visions and images of our future equal to our potential. Wow. So I understand, I remember you sharing one time that you asked some people that were powerful politically at the time. Could you just share that a little bit? Well, my father was a friend of Eisenhower's when he was a general. And, of course, Eisenhower became president of the United States. And due to my father's uh, friendship with him, I was offered a courtesy call to the Oval Office. And I was 22 years old, and uh, Eisenhower had just become president and he greeted me very, uh, you know, cordially. Hello, young lady. What, what can I do for you? And I said, <laughs> Mr. President, I have a question for you. Yes? The question is, what do you think is the meaning of all the power of science, technology, industry, and the military that's good? And he <laughs> shook his head, looked startled, and said, I have no idea. Wow. And, you know, he had been the president who said, beware of this mm-hmm. growing military-industrial complex. He could see that that was a danger. But if you don't know the direction of that power, it's very hard to guide it because it yes. has a momentum all of its own, which we can see. So I think the meeting with Eisenhower was a very critical moment because – the idea that I got after that was, if we don't know the meaning of our new power, we better find out. Yes. And, and so and that was my purpose, is to find out. Right. And someone seemingly, or, or arguably the most powerful man in the world, if he didn't know, that must have been pretty scary at 22 to know that. Well, yes. Not only did he not know, but let's say the church didn't know. I tried to, I joined the Episcopal Church in Scarsdale, and after I read this beautiful New Testament of, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed, at St. Paul, or Jesus saying, Love ye one another, and you will do the works that I do, and even greater works will you do in the fullness of time. Well, I thought that must be the direction of the future. So I went to the uh, Episcopal Church and met the minister, and I said, I would like to know, is any of this true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how shall we all be changed? Is the resurrection true? Is it true that we shall have life ever-evolving? If so, how? And I was taking it literally as a positive vision of the future. The minister was shocked. He said, now, young lady, you go to Sunday school. I'll tell you all that there. <laughs> You can oh, imagine Sunday School, Episcopal Church, Scarsdale, New York. Uh, I'm about, by now about 16 years old. And, of course, what I learned among the things that they taught there, first of all, was that the problem had been Eve. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> her desire to know God, her desire for life everlasting, her desire, her attraction to this. And I thought, I am exactly like Eve. 
Uh, exactly. Yes. And, and I guess with it going in such a masculine way for the last 50 years it, or more, um, maybe sort of connected to that, that ethos well, was, around and, and the church and, and everywhere, really. There, you see, because the, the, I have come to realize that the life of Jesus really is a forecast of the potential of humanity. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't being looked at that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had been brought deified into a god so that it wasn't really feasible for us to say, this is the work that we will do in greater work, mm-hmm. because at that time it didn't look feasible. So anyway, I, I, didn't, I, I realized, and I won't go into all the details, but certainly at the level of the Vatican, of the Catholic Church, there is no vision of the future as control mm-hmm. and it, orthodoxy. And there are many so, wonderful religions, but they don't really apply the idea of the evolutionary potential to their own vision. So where did you get your visions? How did you come up with how you see these, how you see us evolving? Because you just have written so much, and I know you you've, have a way of, um, I guess, intuiting, or, you know, could you share well, a little bit? Well, it's a... It's a very uh, definite process. I seem to be someone given very powerful questions. And my nature is to really not give up on them. So Uh the question, you know, what is the meaning of our power that's good? It started to unfold into life-oriented questions like what am I to do? Where am I to go? What is the meaning of this? And Uh I would every day write in my journal a list of what was happening, and then I would phrase a question around my own life purpose and my own direction, not always Mm -hmm. big cosmic subjects, and then I would turn off my mental mind and go into higher mind Mm. and allow, it wasn't channeling, but it was receiving higher mind guidance, Mm -hmm. which I was able to write down and follow the guidance. Mm. And gradually, I'll just take a little jump here, I I realized I also became compulsive and trying to realize all these things, and they were bigger than I could do. And I said, I have to stop, and I can't be compulsive mm. if I'm going to be speaking of a positive future. So I decided a new, to take a new form of meditation. That is, every morning I got up really early, and I would sit quietly and allow that higher voice, which I projected outside myself, Mm -hmm. higher self or Christ self, and I just allowed it to come in and enter in almost like a frequency of a higher vibration, and Mm -hmm. it entered into my heart. And gradually, I realized that the higher voice that was guiding me was my own essential self. Mm, Beautiful. That each one of us, True nature is essence, and that essence is the source of creation within you, Mm. uniquely expressing itself as you. And then my process, which is all written up in my book, Emergence, Mm. my process was to stay in that state of oneness with the inner impulse and let the local egoic selves, they got so compulsive, I let the local egoic selves be attracted in to the the feeling tone of the higher self, which was my essence. 
until the local selves learned how to relax. Ah, beautiful. (laughs) Not to be so separated. Can you share, I heard you share a funny story about a conversation with Jonas Salk. Could you please share that? Jonas Salk. Well, this was when I was still a housewife in Lakeville with five children. Uh, With this yearning in my heart for higher purpose, but not knowing what it was, and always looking out for what what was growing, what was creative, and I was went to a Freudian an analyst who who said this is neurotic. You're obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> you're you're dissatisfied and you're projecting outside of yourself and so on. So when I met with Jonas Salk, I, I was telling him everything that was wrong with me. Mm. that I seemed to be attracted to the future. Something great was happening. I wanted to be part of it. I had a role to play in this great thing that was happening, which wasn't apparent at all to anybody in, in Lakeville, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so Jonas said, Barbara, this is not what's wrong about you. This is what r- is right about you. You are combining characteristics needed by evolution now. You are an evolutionary mutant. (laughs) And because I admired him a lot, I suddenly saw that the set of characteristics that had been so, had tormented me, were actually the universal process of creation within me, moving me toward my own higher expression. And that, because... I was seen by a person I admired. Mm-hmm. The qualities in me that had seemed difficult about myself became my highest impulse. So I gave credence to say, oh yes, of course, it's the impulse of evolution within you, moving you for your life purpose. And it turned out that my life purpose really was to be a communicator of the evolutionary potential. Oh, so so I, it's very important for everyone who's listening, first of all, to know that if they are depressed, to stop and see what more wants to be expressed within them. Mm. Depression, and my depression that I had was a yearning to express more. And in order to find out what it is that you want to express, it's really important if you can find one or more people who you resonate with and start sharing your deeper impulse. Mm. Like mine was to be part of a great process of creation that was invisible at that time, but my intuition was picking it up. And see if you can get into rapport and resonance with at least one other. Mm. And then I would say the next step is to begin to identify what your deeper life purpose is that when you do it, you feel self-rewarded. Mm-hmm. It's self-rewarding work that is of service. So it oh. means that when you're doing it, the way you tell if it's your deepest soul's purpose is in the doing of it. Like right now on this phone, I feel with you. In the mm-hmm. doing of this, I am rewarded Yes, by the doing and by the sharing and by being with you and finding out who you are. Mm-hmm. And so... Although I would want things to have a greater impact than just my experience of them, the, the beauty of it is is that there's something inside yourself that is rewarded by the expression of true life purpose. Oh, beautiful. And I do think we could think about all the people that are depressed and on antidepressants and how that's a very... Yes. 
large problem and it may just be that they haven't found this in themselves and they need to you know like take take these steps that you suggest and i i want to remind people too that at your website barbaramarksharbor.com people could get into uh communities or find communities where this could work for them so um right for- and you you could always order my book emergence on the website evolve.org that tells the story of becoming your own essential self. Beautiful. <laughs> and I call that in, in sort of uh, poetic terms, the birth of the universal human within you. Mm. Because I believe that the type of human that's incarnating their own essence and their own deeper life purpose and saying yes to it is a member of an evolving species. Oh, that beautiful. homo sapiens sapiens, self-conscious humans, are becoming homo co-creator, oh. homo, you know, luminous, homo universalis, eventually. And so I feel myself being alive at a moment of planetary evolution as a member of our species evolving. Mm, beautiful. And I've been in business in the corporate world for many years, still am partially, and I've noticed that, especially in the last 10 years, people are very hungry for more. They're, they've reached the top of maybe status, money, everything in life, and they are still unhappy. And I see this, for, for, this was certainly true for me and perhaps others that finding their purpose, and it could be like mine, staying in the corporate world, but doing something that fills my soul, which is for me bringing in more insights into how to treat people better and make it a place of healing as well as making money, if that makes sense. Well, you know, this is, I I just returned from an event called um, Success 3.0, it was called a summit to redefine success by calling on some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our country, such as John Mackey and Tony Shea of Zappo and uh, quite a few other really well-known major leaders. And each one of them said the key for them was that they were serving the people who work for them and serving the world and bringing greater happiness and uh, illumination to humanity. That mm. they had all been so successful that they hit a crisis. If they were just trying to make more money and be more successful, they felt empty. So this, mm. these are people at the highest level of business success are now leading because this success summit said that what it wanted to do was make success, have a new definition of success for the world, and the word success is a Trojan horse, which is to say people will follow it because they want to be successful, but instead of being successful by how many people you can win over, you get Mm -hmm. successful by how many people you're serving and caring and loving. Well, what happened is, of course, the people who, in the highest level of business, you can call this quantum business, they themselves radiated mm. this uh, quality of being, and they were also concerned for everyone who worked for them and for the results of their work. There was the man who does Tom's shoes was there, mm-hmm. and he was speaking of the great joy he feels with this idea that everybody who buys Tom's shoes buys another pair to give them to, to yeah. people who don't have shoes. 
And he was like on the edge of his seat with excitement about how many people were now having shoes because of his company. And you could see he was talking to John Mackey, who was so thrilled that he was now bringing whole foods with good food to the world. Mm-hmm. And it was genuine, joyful, uh, you know, in, the, in my definition, self-rewarding work. Mm-hmm. And so the, when business itself evolves into what I would call co-creation, self-rewarding service to others, mm-hmm. the more you succeed, the more you serve, the more you love, then you really are at a new level in business. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we are up on a break. I can't believe we're halfway through. I just want to reintroduce you. And then when we come back, I want to talk about your wheel of co-creation. So my guest today is Barbara Marks Hubbard. Please visit her website, www.barbaramarksmarkshubbard.com. And we'll be right back. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Welcome back. This is Olivia. My guest today is Barbara Marks Hubbard, and we're talking about conscious evolution and different ways that Barbara sort of awakened to this process. We talked about some wonderful businesses that are actually doing good while doing well in the world. And I want to just give the listeners an easier way to get to Barbara's amount of work on the web at evolve.org. That's another way to get to Barbara's site that has great information for learning about Barbara, learning about the things she's doing, getting involved, and finding people that you can connect with that share your feelings and uh, impulses and find out what's what's emerging through you that you could bring forth to the world. So Barbara, I've heard a lot about your tool called the Wheel of Co-Creation. And I just think it's a very powerful instrument for us to help become these more evolved humans. So can you explain to our listeners what it is and how it could help us? Yes, the Wheel of Co-Creation, if you can visualize it as a hub with spokes, is a model of the whole system of our human culture at a local level, a regional level, or a global level. So you would have one spoke is called health, another education, another governance, another environment, another arts, media, um, spirituality, and so on for 12 sectors that are basic functions of any community. With the hub of the wheel being a new sacred space of resonance and divining the design of your life's purpose and your work in any sector of the wheel that you are attracted to work in. So the wheel is a way to connect that which is creative at a community level, a regional level, a global level, and it is also working on internet to connect us via internet. So we are in the process right now of manifesting and designing the way the wheel works, particularly in Mexico, mm. where in Mont- Monterrey, Mexico, I was invited with my colleague Juan Carlos Quitan to offer a wheel of co-creation to that whole culture. And we've been invited to, to bring a wheel into form, let's say, within Catholic dioceses or within compassionate cities or different places in Mexico which have a lot of serious problems of drug abuse, drug warlords, violence, as well as great inspiration and creativity. And how do you 
move a society from its breakdown phase to attract that which is creative to connect. Mm. So in the simplest words, it's connecting that which is creative and bringing people together to co-create their life purpose within uh, various scales of community all the way on up to a global wheel. Oh, that's beautiful. So one of those sectors is is business or economics, is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So how do you think that's different than, say, the way we do business now? Well, I would go, as we do in the wheel, to the growing edge of business now. Since there are people in business already becoming co-creative, emerging toward caring what they call it the triple bottom line, mm. profit, people, and planet. All right, so the people who would be invited in, into the wheel to represent the innovations in business would be those who are working with the triple bottom line and more who are like uh, the man, who, uh, head of Zappos, Tony Shea, he is redesigning downtown Las Vegas. Mm. Why? Because he wants to. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like he wants he to prove do? he can do it, right? <laughs> no, I think it's even deeper than that. Well, he sees a genuine problem, mm-hmm. which is the destruction of our cities and the alienation of people. And he knows that he has the creative capacity and the resources to study what makes a city work and actually do it. So you might say in the deep sense, we're all artists of the future. It's an art form to be a co-creator. It doesn't mean you have to be painting a picture or writing a symphony. The business leaders that I met at the summit 3.0, Success 3.0, are co they're artistically geniuses at creating new forms of social potential in their businesses, as, as Whole Foods is, as um, Zappo is with the downtown Las mm-hmm. Vegas, and many others who were there. So what we do in the wheel is invite people who have innovations toward the emergence of that field. Not just good projects like I did a better car, I've written, you know, I have a better uh, way of doing Kleenex or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but Mm -hmm. in the wheel of co-creation, people are invited to state their innovations Mm -hmm. that are leading to the evolution of a better world. So I would imagine then part of what we'd want to pay attention to, like if I were interested in a bit, forming a business in this wheel would be, how would it benefit the other parts of the wheel? Is that a fair statement? Well, that would be good to say that, yes, because it it is true. Let's take the downtown Las Vegas example. Mm -hmm. It's also, he's inviting uh, local business people to be there. He's inviting a new kind of real partnership in healthcare modality. He has a playful ground for people to feel their artists. So he's benefiting every sector of the wheel of human endeavor mm. by the way he's, he's evolving his business. Oh, that's really beautiful. And I do remember uh, I participated also in the Success 3.0 Summit and the fellow, and I really apologize, I can't remember his name, but he, he developed PayPal 
and oh, Outlook. Yes, that was, Do you remember his amazing. name? Um, and uh, Google Glass, I think, was his last invention. And then <laughs> is he the one that then left and decided to take on the problem of garbage in the world? That he wants to yes, yes, create right. a process to take all the garbage that's in our landfills and in our oceans and turn it into fuel. So it's like a double win, right? You see, that was that was a wonderful example, and he has the resources from his success at PayPal and other enterprises to actually take on a major problem, which is garbage polluting the world, and yes. turn it into a planet. Yeah, and can you That's imagine? Brilliant. <laughs> it is. And like you said, he has the smarts, he has the financial resources. Wouldn't it be beautiful to see people with those kinds of resources competing to do good work in the world. I think we could turn things around very quickly if, if well, more people are. were doing that. And, and here's a, even an, another thought about it. I, I've been, you know, my foundation for conscious evolution is called a non-profit. Mm-hmm. So I then began to say to myself, why should I be non-profit? Why don't I become an entrepreneur? Yes. Well, it means the wheel of co-creation is entrepreneurial instead of seeking donations, which yes. are a, a more, much more difficult way of, of receiving funds is to earn your, earn your resources by serving people. And this becomes, you might call it, a social entrepreneurship or evolutionary entrepreneurship. So I have now given myself a new title, okay. Evolutionary Entrepreneur. Oh, I love that. E-E. <laughs> and I want to gain the advice of real live entrepreneurs who are so creative to partner with me and others in the so-called nonprofit mode so that we become far more generative of resources to continue our work more fully. Yes, and if everyone is showing up with their gifts and a, and goal of serving, I think it would benefit everyone. It it would. So I would like to expand the word entrepreneurship to really be the creative impulse in, in creating more resources, more benefits, more good, and that the people who do that should also receive enough to keep sustaining and fulfilling their own life purpose, just like the, the entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. And luckily, people like Tony Shea Zappos is, is funding these small businesses because the the mainstream economic model, there's not a lot of resources for people to start businesses anymore. No. And perhaps the way it'll happen is through these sort of genius tech people that have made millions and, and now want to give back and do, do good in the world. So and, very you know, I would even change the phrase give back. If somebody said that seems like something uh, was taken and now you're going to give back, Actually, you're giving forward mm. uh, because it's not like giving back. That that whole phraseology at the summit started to be changed. You're giving forward. You're investing in the future. You're you're creating with mm-hmm. others more resources, more life, more more blessings for people. And also, there was a great emphasis there on, on uh, care and self care and diet. Mm-hmm and mm-hmm. meditation and exercise that you also have to include in this yourself 
as as someone that you are nurturing and caring for and not just become obsessively compulsively busy. Yes, in fact, one of the presenters, Ariana Huffington, with her book Thrive, one of the main mantras is to get enough sleep, right? And um, we all, I think, suffer from lack of sleep from one time to the other. So wouldn't it be great to have a community that actually we would want everybody to be healthy and well-fed and well-rested so we would all be evolving and benefiting from everyone's gifts? Right, exactly. And it, it sounded, I think if I'd heard this five years ago, I would have said, oh, that's Pollyannish, that could never happen. But hearing that these brilliant entrepreneurs are actually doing things, and like Tony Shea in East Las Vegas, it's thriving now. He, he could go into Detroit or other cities and do the same thing. I think he really wants to create a repeatable model. Yes, it's- yes. So I think the entrepreneurial mentality there is good. How do you do something that generates more resources to do more good? Yeah, really. It's and everybody that flourishes is going to give, as you say, uh, give it forward or pay it forward, and um, and yes. it just seems like it's it'll generate positive results indefinitely. It does, that's right, and that's like nature. If you think of nature starting from no thing at all, mm. you know, 13.8 billion years ago and producing that explosion of energy that led to matter and life and human life, think of, if you want to say it, evolutionary entrepreneurial qualities of nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always making more and more out of less and less. I mean, look at that. Look at yeah. the ability of nature to create more. And and it's always in harmony, it feels like. Um, well, and, we've uh, had f- five mass extinctions before we got here. Billions okay. Of, billions of species are extinct. Mm. And one thing I think we have to realize is that nature is constantly experimenting and not everything nature does has worked. That's why there are billions of species extinct. But you might say everything was needed in order to evolve. Uh-huh. So even the mass extinctions, some of them were caused, like the dinosaurs being destroyed, I think, by a major comet exploding on Earth. So a whole life form was destroyed then, and up came the mammals. Right. And out of the mammals, you know, came all the higher forms of life, including us. Now, we're the first generation to realize we may be causing the mass extinction ourselves. We are already with other species. And it could even devolve into the extinction of human species. So we are like the first species to be aware we could affect our own evolution. We could destroy our life support system. Or we could evolve it. So this is actually the evolution of consciousness of humanity to be aware that this is so. So do you think there are people who have this awareness and then others that don't? Do you think it's something we all have the capability to have if we want that awareness? I think ultimately everyone. However, what I've noticed that a sensitivity to what's emerging Mm-hmm. is a gift, like a, an ear for music or ability to do mathematics or a great athlete. There certainly are people that have gifts in, in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. A gift of sensitivity to what's evolving is a gift. And I have noticed in any group of 100 people, 
there will be a percentage sensitive to emergence, and there'll be another group against it and a middle group neutral on it. Interesting. And the group that's against it, well, they'll, they'll say things like, I'm just frightened by, by what's happening. I'm frightened of high technology. I'm afraid we're going to be mechanized. I'm frightened of this. I'm frightened of that. And they are trying to hold the system where it was, and they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So they get under more, more stress. The other group, uh, Teilhard de Chardin called it homo progressivus, is attracted <laughs> to the future mm-hmm. as an organism emerging toward the unknown. And that group is looking for what's emerging mm-hmm. out of the crises, out of the problems. That group is, is, is it motivated to express solutions that lead to a better future rather than to a worse future. Mm. So we are at a time when that is what's actually happening on Earth. Mm. Wow. So I was wondering, do you, I think because I, when I started to meditate maybe 20 years ago, it really improved my sensitivity. Do you think that's something if people are interested in improving that sensitivity to become more aware of what's emerging within them to I do some practices it, like that? I think it's essential. I think there are many different practices mindfulness is one that has just become very popular recently. And before mm-hmm. that, it was TM, Transcendental Meditation. And many, all of Christian practices of centering prayer, whatever works. I mean, I, I, many of us have finally evolved our own method, which is mine, is the, the deep silence. And then I like to breathe up what I call the evolutionary spiral. So I start in the mind of God, and then I breathe up through the billions of years of evolution. And then I take Mm. that core of the spiral up into my lower chakras, into my generative organs, into my power center, all the way on up and back down. And I'm therefore asking of that impulse of evolution to evolve me, to more Mm. fully serve the purpose that I've been given as an expression of evolution. You know, a person's life purpose is not only totally personal, it is actually the transpersonal made personal in you, Mm -hmm. like your unique self. Mark Gaffney calls it your unique self is unique to you, but it's actually an expression of the divine process of creation within you for you to do your unique expression of it. So uniqueness and connectedness to the whole go together in my mind. Oh, beautiful. So as we, well, there's all this, in some conversations you'll hear people say you have to get rid of the ego, you know, and just be in the one. But but I think what you were saying, Mark Gaffney said, is we have this self that's the impulse comes from the united one, but that we have a unique expression to to bring forward our own gifts um, to serve the greater good, I guess, would be one way to say it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, the word unique and unitive, or mm. unite, uh, that the, I think it was Gary Zukov years ago said to me, I, w- I was writing my book on the evolutionary interpretation of the New Testament, and I w- it's a little bit concerned because in the circles I was in, if I kept mentioning the Bible and Christ, <laughs> 
It didn't fit in the World Future Society. It didn't fit in the transhumanists. It didn't fit anywhere. And Mm. sometimes I would dampen down my own experience. And he said to me, if you want to be universal, you have to be willing to be unique. Mm. In other words, don't try to make your experience something uh, less than it is in order to be acceptable to others. But be as clear as you can of the unique tone that's yours to give Mm -hmm. and give it with great joy. That's your contribution to the universal. Oh, beautiful. Well, and I would love my listeners to have a way of maybe knowing whether what they're feeling or thinking they should be doing is real. And just really quickly, my... It, my own experience is that I ended up in the corporate world after being kind of a spiritual seeker, hippie mom for 20 years. And I was, I found it to be a very harsh environment. I kept wanting to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But the, my meditation said, this is where your real work is. And for mm-hmm. 10 years, I didn't know what that was, but I was speaking a lot on data mining and predictive modeling at conferences, and I started introducing talks on softer skills. And then when the radio show became available, I said, oh, that's it, right? I just knew that what what I could do as my unique self was connect the human capacities to business. So if people, and, and what I feel like is that I'm in flow when I'm doing this. And I, yes. Yeah, so I wondered if that is that a way for people to kind of tell whether they they may be onto something that's their real purpose? Absolutely. It's biofeedback. The biofeedback of stress is that you're not quite in the flow of what you're meant to be doing or you're overextended or you're, you know, overpressured. So the, you then have to breathe. Stop. And try to remember the impulse that's motivating you in the first place so you get back to center and then allow the impulse to emerge again in a more fruitful way. And then you use that biofeedback of stress toward moving you toward a compass of joy. There's an Mm -hmm. internal compass. So joy is when you're in the flow of your unique expression with grace and beauty and often there can be pressure. Uh, like in the flow state, uh, Sixth Sense Mahali would, would say that the people who are most happy are in a flow state moving towards goals that are higher than they have ever achieved. Mm. It's not just accepting everything the way it is. It is, like in my case, I feel I have an offering, let's say, in the wheel of co-creation that can truly serve society to become a cooperative, uh, positively oriented social organism. Mm. So that motivation is moving me to be more, do more, love more. Mm-hmm. And I have to be careful not to get, uh, you know, just compulsive. Because, <laughs> right. because the work is unending, you know, and you can't mm-hmm. finish it. You can't finish any great work, really. Yeah. 
Right. And I I know you've said that you're so excited to be alive at this time when we have this potential, you know, especially because you're what 85 years on the planet now and the fact right. that you could actually experience this. So we just have uh, about two and a half minutes left. And I this has gone so quickly. I've just really enjoyed this. And you mentioned that you can't do it alone. So could you just share maybe ways that people could get involved? And um, I know the website evolve.org is a great way to connect but maybe just some things that are coming up through the Shift Network or other ways that, that yes. they, you can get support. So what would that be? Yes, indeed. Uh, that I will be uh, offering a course on the Shift Network in January, which will be promoted starting in December. So mm-hmm. if people go to the Shift Network, which is a teaching company on Internet, they will find my work being offered along with many other wonderful people And uh, that would be a great way to get started. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. So just in closing, we've maybe two minutes. What would you like to leave people with some thoughts around perhaps your work and, and their emerging work in the world? Well, our crisis, your crisis, my crisis, the world crisis, is the crisis of the birth of a humanity capable of co-evolving with nature and co-creating with spirit. Mm. And that whatever is happening in your life as part of this humanity, you can look at every evolutionary driver or problem you might have as to how it more deeply is moving you towards fulfilling your unique purpose as a self-rewarding work in the world. Oh, beautiful. Well, we are out of time, Barbara. Thank you so much for being my guest today, and I hope you'll come back again. I will. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it so much. Oh, my pleasure. Next week, my guest will be Dr. Martine George, a leadership coach and predictive modeling expert from Belgium, and we'll be discussing people analytics and communication skills for data scientists. So you won't want to miss this for a full description of next week's and other upcoming shows, as well as access to all past shows and guest bios. Please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning into Quantum Business Insights and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.